0: You're listening to DraftKings Network.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Journeyman. And today, I am joined by Twitter legend Dragonfly Jones and movie star Juju Gotti. We talk Beast Brackets, the Johnny Manziel documentary, and Michael Orr getting blindsided. Plus, so much more. Let's get it.
2: Who are these guys? It's my theme music. Every good hero should have some. This is an institution of learning, ladies and gentlemen. If you can't control it, how can you teach? Discipline is not the enemy of enthusiasm.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Journeymen, brought to you by the good folks at the DraftKings Network and Metal Lark Media. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Hawkins. Seven years in the NFL, two great cup championships in two years in the CFL, and one pulled hamstring this week. Your boy is washed. We'll get into that. Uh, I'm joined today by my man Dragonfly Jones. You know I'm on Twitter of the Jenkins and Jones podcast. Tyler, what's up, man? How you doing?
2: I'm good. I'm good. I appreciate you having me on, man. You know, big fan of what y'all got going on there at, at Metallica, of course. You know, y'all fam. So you know, happy to be on here again. Appreciate you having me on, bro.
1: Absolutely, man. You know, I I I, I sat in on one of your conversations with Dan Lebitar, and you were talking about the Beast bracket. Hell yeah, and I could not help... I don't know if there was a more, like, unassuming, addictive conversation. Because I'm not, like, <laughs> an animal person by any stretch of the imagination. But as y'all were talking about it, and you know, I'm not going to tease. Actually, you, you tell uh, the Journeyman viewers what the Beast Bracket is.
2: All right, so basically, you know, it's something that, that came about because there's absolutely nothing to talk about in the summer. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, we had this this hypothetical animal fight tournament kind of in the format of of March Madness. But, you know, the the unique thing about what we had here was we had a catchweight here, right? Like, so in combat sports, you know, boxing, MMA, there's always weight classes. So we were like, you know, the thing that's missing from these animal discussions is, you know, weight classes, right? Uh Because, of course, a lion you know we'll we'll maul a wolf one-on-one right of course but if you get four 250 pound lions and 10 100 pound wolves at the catch rate of a thousand pounds like we had for this then we got ourselves a conversation right like that's a legit fight right yeah so yeah so you know we we um you know we're doing the catch rate stipulation so we had all combinations of animals weighing up uh, you know, against a thousand pounds facing off against each other, which which led to some unique combinations. And you know, sometimes you'd have one big boy like one, you know, one thousand pound polar bear or, you know, a bunch of little guys like 205 pound roosters. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so so and um, you know, we opened it up to, to to the Twitter polls. You know, the Twitter people um, you know, uh picked who they wanted to advance, you know, in certain matchups. Uh we had an online pick 'em contest that had like twenty seven hundred people who uh-huh. had it. Dang. Um and and yeah, and and so you know the people spoke um the, the eight ja- the eight 125 pound jaguars were eventually crowned the champs and you know i think that's a good uh choice right there i i, I think that that is a solid you know um um contender right there for best fucking you know combination of animal how, brawlers how many and, jaguars and, 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 was eight, it eight eight, eight, 125, uh, eight, eight
1: 125 jags you know what? Yeah, when and, i was hit, the
2: championship match was against two 500 pound tigers so
1: okay Two five hundred pound tigers. Yeah, I like that. I think I think I think someone who got snubbed in it. I think I heard you say it was twenty five Wolverines.
2: Yes, that that they were good enough to win it all, bro. I think they should have won Wolverines. it all, bro. I think yeah. I think they
1: got hosed because
2: we, we might need to do a recount. We
1: right? I think we got to do a recount. I think you should redo the bracket and just have like real life animal experts on there to really make the determine, This might be a, a whole docu-series. Metal Lark, I'm, <laughs> I'm giving y'all a layup here. This is a whole docu-series that you're letting just slip through your fingers. We should be we should be knee-deep in development on this. But the Wolverines, the I always say like in football, because I say it on this show all the time, size isn't scary. Speed is scary. right? And if you have the combination of size and speed, you're the scariest, to your point about lions and tigers and all of that. But 25 Wolverines, as vicious as they are, is a is a that's next level skill next level scary shit
2: next level though yes because you know something that we always had in in, in in our arguments is like you got to look at strength of schedule here and uh-huh. strength of schedule is basically you know what animals does this animal prey on does this animal fight on in the wild right uh-huh. and a forty pound wolverine can take down like a fucking thousand pound bison mm. right but there's been stories of of a wolverine who snuck into a polar bear's enclosure in a zoo and killed the polar bear right like so the strength uh, of schedule with those animal, dudes man. is ridiculous right these guys Are going to you know Tuscaloosa and getting road wins
1: and shit. You know what I'm saying? I think the Wolverine might be the animal I identify with most. That's that's my kind of style, bro. Just yeah, unassuming walk in and I, I came I came for a problem. That's what I'm here for. What animal do you think you identify most with of all the animals in the bracket?
2: You know, I I I'd say you know going back to the roosters, I might be a rooster, bro. Like, might be a rooster. You know, like I, I feel like roosters are fearless. You know, what I'm okay, saying? a little too fearless at times, right? Yeah. Like sometimes you know they bite off more than they can chew, and and, and it doesn't you know wind up great for them. But but I might be a rooster, bro. I and we did athlete com- comparisons, you know, to to, uh, to these animals as well, and like the scout reports and Manny Pacquiao. OK. Dance, so, OK. You
1: know? All right. So what uh, our first topic, we're, we're going to get into a little bit of sports documentaries. We're going to try to go through this quick in this first segment. But have you had the opportunity to watch the Johnny Manziel documentary on Netflix?
2: I did. I did. What's did your you
1: what's your what's your first takeaway from what you saw?
2: Um, I think we need to preface it because, you know, I think all of us come into this with with baseline and even extended knowledge about Johnny Manziel. So um, the thing about Johnny Manziel with me personally is, he is the wrongest I've possibly ever been about an NFL prospect. Bro.
1: Wow. You're on that side of camp, huh? Yeah. Yeah, because... Okay, I'm going to change your mind about that by the end of this conversation, but go ahead.
2: Okay. I'll okay. let you out. So, um, because, you know, um, coming in, you know, there were doubts about Johnny Manziel, which is why I don't know about if you can necessarily call him a bust because, you know, people were saying he is not going to succeed at the next level because of these things, right? And right. the three major gripes with him were, you know, he was undersized, mm-hmm. right? The other one was his mechanics, and then mm-hmm. there was like his off-the-field antics. And
1: yeah, that's the big I will thing.
2: give you the rundown of why I, I so wrongly <laughs> disagreed with all those gripes, right? Right. So um the first gripe was hype, you know, he was undersized. And you got to keep in mind, this was in 2014, right? So like like two of the top five QBs in the league were undersized at that time, right? So I was like, why are we still doing this undersized thing to knock against quarterbacks when we've got you know Drew Brees and Russell Wilson out here? Of course, them, you know what I'm yep. saying? Um, second gripe, you know, as I mentioned, was his mechanics and You know, as far as mechanics went, and and I'm still kind of on this boat, I I just never was of the belief that non-conventional quarterbacks need to have conventional mechanics. You know, you you, you feel me? And again, this was 2014, bro. Like 2014 felt like the future, right? Like Cam Newton... You know, had perhaps the greatest rookie see- year of, of a QB a few seasons before that, like four thousand yards, eight hundred um yards rushing, yeah. and you know we had that two thousand twelve class with you know RG three Russ Cap, and it just felt like you know, like I said, holding a non conventional quarterback's pocket mechanics against him. it, it them. just was starting to feel especially a bit, you know, especially
1: when his 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 value proposition at the time was the fact that he was non conventional. Like, right. that was the thing he brought to the table. So to hold him to that standard when he doesn't check any of the other boxes is ridiculous. You're, you're holding him to rules right. of a game he doesn't play. So I'm exactly. with you 100%. I want to hear this third one. of How did you get past all the off-field stuff of everything you had heard?
2: And I thought it was just a, a college kid doing college kid shit. I was okay. like, okay, he goes to frat houses and he parties and gets drunk. Like, what 21-year-old doesn't do it? Yeah, here's, you here's, know what I mean?
1: Here's where you messed up. Dragonfly Jones. Hey, this is this is where you messed up. It's because oh, yeah. if it starts to bubble up, and we we'll gonna call it spade a spade. For a white quarterback in Texas, if it starts to bubble up a little bit past outside of that bubble, you know it's probably a real problem. Mm-hmm. Right? Because like, if it was just innocent college kid stuff, they probably would have kept it under wraps a little bit better than what they could. But they honestly couldn't contain it to where everyone in the country knew what time it was.
2: Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, And that's and, how know, I like I, said, it. I didn't
1: know it at the time. I don't want to make it seem like I was I was in front of the curve. I was not. I was Team Johnny Manziel through and through.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I just thought it was a bunch of old people, you know, shaking their fists at the cloud, like the undersized thing, the mechanics, the you know, the partying yeah. antics. But yeah, I was dead wrong. Listen, the the naysayers, they nailed the fuck out of those three nays. They got all three. (laughs) They went three for three on the nays with Johnny Manziel. Great job, naysayers. Hats off to y'all on that
1: one. Johnny Football naysayers with Steph Curry on it. So I I like the documentary. And we'll probably actually bleed this into the next segment because this is, we got a lot for this. And i talked about Johnny on this show because I was front row for the Johnny Manziel experience. And as I watched the documentary, me and my wife watched it, and- It was a we were extremely interested in it because, again, we had saw it firsthand because I was in Cleveland when he got drafted and I played with him his entirety in Cleveland. And not only that, I was even more connected. But I remember when Johnny came in and there was so much fanfare around Johnny nationwide and in Cleveland and we would be in the locker room. And for the entire two years, man, it was like Johnny was in his own world. So to hear on the documentary that hey, he was dealing with all this pressure and depression, and he just didn't want to to be there, and he had all these like grand plans, of, like almost ending it in his time there.
0: Yeah,
1: it so perfectly matches up because we would be trying to a couple of us that were like more veterans on the team, we would be trying to engage him, and he literally wouldn't say a word to anybody in the locker room, not like purposely, but you could just tell he was he was dealing with stuff. And when people talk about Johnny Manziel. You know, it's like Josh Gordon has substance abuse problems, right? And, and and him and Johnny were there at the same time. But when you look at Josh, and I've had family that, uh, you know, I come from a, the areas where substance abuse happens. Um, and you know, like, okay, this is something he doesn't have under control. Johnny's felt like he was in search of something. Like, you didn't look at Johnny and the way he was acting and say, like, oh, man, this guy is trying to fake it or, like, present as if he's not doing these things. He was very clearly in a state of depression. Like, his mentals yeah. weren't there. It was it was way too big for him. It felt like he was running from something. And you had players on the team who were like, they were, oh, man, they were so addicted to the fame of Johnny Football. Like, we all thought, okay, this we'll see what, if he can come in and really do what he says and people think he can. But there were players who were, like, trying to clamor to be around him to just get a little bit of that limelight. That was cast on Johnny. And then there was other guys like Joe Hayden, who was really trying to mentor him. He was trying to bring him in to be like, yo, man, we could you could do something. You could do something with this. And I think, again, watching the documentary versus what it looked like in real life was just very, very interesting kind of back and forth.
2: Yeah, you know, that's interesting that you gave us that kind of behind the scenes insight into where there was kind of, you know, a rallying around Johnny Manziel, because um, that was, you know, a question I have for you, and he was like, you know, what was it like at ground zero with the guy? Because, you know, we just had another, you know, Heisman winning quarterback who did not have a, a, a tenure there where it seemed like his teammates were rallying around, around him no, Baker no, no, Mayfield, no. right? So, so yeah, so, 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 yeah, that was for sure a, a question that I had there. So, and, you know, you said, you mentioned you were a Manziel guy. I know you Kind of had to be in good faith as as him being your quarterback, but you know, unbiased opinion. Uh-huh. Did you think that he was going to you know fail or fly in the in, in the NFL?
1: That's a good question. I think it it was it was at a point that it was it was hard to say, and not because of an ability thing. It was could he get over this mental block of whatever was happening? You know, what? let's take a break, and we're going to come back, and I I'll give you the full detail of what was going on behind the scenes and why I thought Johnny could be successful, but why I probably knew that he wasn't going to. Welcome back to Journeyman. We're joined by Dragonfly Jones, and we're talking Johnny Manziel documentary on Netflix. Before we took the break, Tyler, you asked me about, like, what I thought Johnny Manziel was going to be when he came, like, right. as a pro. Now, we would be in meetings every week, and he would be sleep. This is a first-round draft pick. He would be asleep in the front row. Like you could fall asleep in the meetings and you're trying to hide it. So in the documentary, he talks about how he was trying to do everything in his power to get out of the situation that he was in because it just it was too big for him. And that's crazy because I would look down and we would see him sleep in the corner of the room in front of the offensive coordinator, in front of the head coach. They would act like they didn't see him. But it was so very clear that he was trying to show he did not give a damn. Now, in the documentary, his agent, Eric Burkhart, Talks about how they can contract this whole, like, from the pre-draft to going radio silent then to after the draft. And he was doing everything in his power to give this kid a chance to kind of turn the leaf. And so I actually got really cool with Eric in that time. He was his agent. And what yeah. I was is I was kind of Eric's eyes and ears on the ground with Johnny Manziel. And so I would, like, let him know, yo, this is what's going on. This is what Johnny has. going. And I was, like, kind of looking out for Johnny in Cleveland. And Eric was very appreciative of that. Now, I didn't know the lengths that EB was going through to try to keep him in the game. But because he was so appreciative, he actually introduced me to Maverick Carter. And that's how I met Mav and eventually interned and worked there and still work with him today for like the last seven years. And that's how I actually got that connection because I helped him out with Johnny. But what was crazy, Tyler, was that it was weird to be in a documentary and know... That you're in the middle of a, a future doc like this documentary, I think that's why I didn't like wasn't so excited about it because in the middle of it, I remember there was a what was the name of that documentary about the USC quarterback? Do you remember? Um, the thirty for thirty. The thirty for thirty. Uh, Marinovic.
2: Rise of Troy or something like that.
1: Something where it was like this, this 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 dad like was basically like groomed this this kid to be the best quarterback, and he became it in USC. Oh, you
2: talking about um the the Todd Marinovich one? The
1: Todd Marinovich one. Yeah. That was like big at the time. It was like not too old, maybe a couple of years. And when Johnny was there, we would all reference that doc, and we were like, wow. we're like, damn, bro, it's crazy." Like we all knew that we were watching this documentary happen in real time. Like the Johnny, and we all knew it was going to be called Johnny Football. Like that's the name of the documentary. Here we are, a decade later, mm-hmm. and it actually, it actually comes through. So it was weird to know you're in the middle of a documentary while it's happening. The thing I think the documentary missed on. Well, before I get to there, you talked about what you thought johnny was as a player what did you think like as from a fan perspective like what did you think of all the off the field stuff because it wasn't crazy to me but i would imagine it was it was new information to you as you're watching a documentary
2: yeah um you know i I think a huge takeaway here that i haven't heard a lot of I i don't think i've heard anyone kind of mention is we don't get this documentary without the recent nil legalization right Mm. because these dudes admitted to everything
1: everything stuff we didn't know. know
2: Right, right. And, and and it was a bit shocking, but I'll, I'm guessing obviously the NCAA can't retroactively punish you for something that's no longer illegal. So I don't think that there's any way this stock even gets made if Manzel's Heisman you know was in danger of being repossessed. Because bro, these dudes, Manzel and, and his friend Nate admitted to lying to the NCAA during the <laughs> NCAA investigation about improper funds received and, and shit. Bro, like that was, was kind of a takeaway here. Like, without the NIL shit, we'd never get this documentary. At least that part, at
1: least. Yeah. He was getting money, too. That's
2: yeah, it. Yeah, cashed out, dog.
1: Cashed out. You know what? And this is taking a very serious time that I don't like. So we got we, we to gotta call it for what it is, too. They didn't mention this. They talked about the hype. I don't think they did a good enough job building up the hype that was around Johnny Manziel. And why? He was white yeah. Vic, bro. That's why they yeah. loved him. It wasn't because he was a good quarterback and he had wins. It was because we had never seen a white mobile quarterback doing the, the shit that we see mobile yes. quarterbacks do and everyone start oh we was gas bro it wasn't yes, yes. just white people black people every we it was like yo this is crazy he's out yeah. here really saucing people up
2: Right, right. Drake made a draft track for him and Andrew Wiggins,
1: right? Drake ain't making no... Uh, tra- I'm trying to think of another good Texas... Like, Ryan Mallet wasn't getting no Drake references, bro. <laughs> Right? He, Blake
2: Bortles, the Blake number one QB taken in that draft. He wasn't getting Drake. <laughs> Drake he track,
1: wasn't bro. getting Drake. Bro. That wasn't the cool of it. It was like, yeah. yo, this dude is running around spin moving. I've never seen a white guy spin right. move and, and flick the wrist the way that Johnny Manziel was.
2: A- absolutely. You, you know, building to what you're saying and kind of tying it back to the NIL thing, I remember there was a conversation on Twitter about what past athlete would have made the most NIL money. And my vote was Johnny Manziel for the same reason you said, yeah. a white boy with swag, mm-hmm. right? Like that you're printing money once you get that, you yeah. know, what I'm? A, a, and you got to be good at what you do, of course. And he was incredible in college. And like I said, he, he had that white boy, you know, he's a white boy with the swag. And, yeah. and that is, is marketing gold right there.
1: It was. And that was honestly, Baker Mayfield to your reference. He tried to follow the same path. Yeah. He, I mean, the, they the, called him. The sauce him. wasn't
2: the same. The sauce you know wasn't the same. That season, it wasn't the same. After a while, tried. we saw
1: through it. But when he was dug in and the videos yeah. going viral, it was like, oh, okay. And he ended up being. I mean, people people have called him sober Johnny. I'm not saying sober it was me. John. I have not said that, but that has been a reference that I've saw on Twitter. They call so, that
2: man Shirley Temple Manziel. No, they okay. call him
1: Shirley Temple Manziel. But Johnny was good, though, too. He wasn't like—I remember like having a conversation. I was playing with the Bengals. This before he got drafted. Zach Robinson, who is now the Rams pass game coordinator, Andy Dalton, and Greg McElroy, who's like the lead college football analyst, they all were like, oh, no, Johnny Manziel is going to take the league over. He does things that you cannot teach a quarterback. His feel for the game, his vision, his instinct— all of that to watch the documentary and realize he was just out there winging it. So that tells bro, you he was special.
2: You're right. Like, you are a first-round NFL quarterback and you never watch film. Like, bro, <laughs> oh,
1: he's man. not lying, my boy. Yeah, he, uh, that's wild. You say, yeah, you said he was like he he, he was in there catching lied. up on
2: C's. That's Bruh. crazy.
1: The coach called oh. me.
2: A, que- a question I have for you and a Go reason ahead. why I thought that, you know, Mansell was going to work was, you know, I was a Washington fan in a, in a former life. So I was familiar with the with the miracle worker that Kyle Shanahan could be kind of even before, you know, everybody yeah. got hit to that. Uh-huh. Um so you know, Cal Shanahan was there. I thought that you know, I just saw what he did with RG three. I saw how he had the world food with Kirk Cousins, and <laughs> like, Yo, you know, he's going to work some magic with Manziel. But then he left like after Manziel's first year, right? Like yeah. so, so, so how 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 were the how were the vibes in the locker room when Shanahan left? <laughs> you know, of course, and, and seeing that, like, bro, if anyone could maybe save Johnny, it's this guy. And he's on his way out.
1: I tell you right now, Shanahan owes me at least ten million dollars. At awesome. least $10 million. Shanahan and Mike McDaniel, between the two of them, who is now the head coach of the, of the Dolphins, they owe me $10 million. Had they not left, I would have signed another deal for at least 15 to $20 million, and I probably would have seen $10 million of it because that's how the league works. Right. But they forced their way out of Cleveland after that season because they were forced to play Johnny Manziel. They called me. We were 7-4. and four. They called me like, hey, we're thinking about starting Johnny. And I started laughing because I thought they were joking when the head coach called me. I thought he was playing. He was dead serious. And I was like, yo, you're asking me my thoughts on playing somebody who I know is asleep all day. I know he's not watching film. He threw three picks in a walkthrough before the game. And like, there's nobody playing defense. It was wow, bro. It was like, and now they're watching the doc. I'm like, oh, he probably did that on purpose. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's, that, it, it was a crazy experience that definitely deserved the documentary treatment.
2: Yeah, that that was wild Um, You know, he said like, bro He said it stopped being fun to him at rookie camp I was like, yeah, yeah, bro, this, yeah, yeah. this ain't, yeah I you seen Johnny smile up,
1: I seen Johnny have a fun time one time And it was because he was high That's a fact Like, there was one time he was super personable Walking around, dapping everybody up, smiling And it was because He was, he was like That night before, he it was, it was like Probably one of the nights he was talking about in the dock. He had went out and kicked it And it was right. so visible, everybody was talking about Like, oh, Johnny's. Johnny's on one. So somebody else that got a documentary treatment coming up that was a little bit of a surprise is uh the other Kelsey, Jason Kelsey. And I was a little shocked by this. I ain't gonna lie. I'm a big Kelsey fan. Let's give a round of applause for the Kelseys. They're on a hey. they're on a Lynn type run right now. I mean, three yeah, Super ball. Bowls between them, Hella Pro Bowls. They hosted SNL. They got one of the hottest podcasts in sports media. Um, but I was I was a little shocked by a Jason Kelsey doc that's coming on, on Prime. Not only because uh, he's an offensive lineman, which nobody cares about O-line in the history of sports. He's a center. So I don't know if you know, like being a center in, is like the worst offensive lineman. Like get the lowest lowest paid. It's like being a, I don't even know what the comp is in basketball. Maybe like a defensive specialist for a championship team. Right. Like it's like just a some. Protector. Like if you have to replace one of your 22 starters, it's the center. Like I'm telling you, it's like, you know, but he's been really, really good, right? But the reality is, and I, I think he would also understand this, what we love about Jason Kelsey is the fact that he's Travis Kelsey's brother. That might be a little over the top, but that's, otherwise, there's no reason, there's no other reason why O-Line get that kind of love. I don't know what your thoughts are on Jason Kelsey. Maybe I'm wrong.
2: You, you know, I'm I'm actually not mad at it because I think if you look at the two Kelsey brothers, because, you know, yes. this was a documentary done over the course of last season, I think Jason has the most interesting story last year. Because, Absolutely. Because, you know. Yeah, because, you know, this guy, he's, he's the best center in the league, on the best O-line in the league, blocking for the breakout quarterback of last season, you know, a quarterback who, you know, who has had his ups and downs. We know the whole Bama-Oklahoma story with Hurts, right? Uh-huh. Last season was his third season in the NFL, and it started to really click for him. And here you have, you know, Kelsey being his center, his sworn protector for this kid who finally found his way. Like, you, you, you know, and then they make it to the Super Bowl, and Kelsey is going up against his brother's team, and he's actually going to be going one-on-one with the guy who's perhaps the best you know defensive tackle in the league with chris jones right you know they put up a valiant effort but fall short that's that hollywood shit man like i think that's way more yeah. interesting than just seeing travis kelsey out there grittying and winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> i, you know I, I agree
1: i agree and i, I i'm serious this is where this is journeyman we love to watch the underappreciated get their shine so i absolutely right. love the fact that he's getting a documentary it's just weird i'm just i'm just i'm just be honest like again even the example you gave we're doing a Jason Kelsey documentary, not a Jalen Hurts documentary. That's why don't, you don't find that suspicious, brother. You don't find that <laughs> suspicious. That's what I'm yeah. saying. It's just I'm, I'm I love to see it. I'm just I'm curious as why we're seeing this is all I'm saying, Tyler.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, whoever, you know, had the, the vision a year ago, like. I don't know what they saw, but I, I think I think it worked out great for him. Like I said, I think it's going to be an interesting one. I, 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 I mean, agree. And, and, and to your credit, what you said, like the most interesting thing is that he's Travis's brother. I mean, there is a good, there's a great dynamic those two have there, right? Like you know, Jason's is the more reserved, country kind of you know, midwestern potato yep. and gravy type dude, and exactly, you know, Travis Kelsey is the flashy one, right? So yeah, so yeah, you know, I I, I do think that. I think his personality is going to, you know, shine a bit here. Because I think for a documentary, you don't want the guy who's on 10. You don't want to watch two hours of the guy on 10 the whole time, right? You need need some stability. You need to hit cruise control every now and then. You feel me?
1: You do got to hit cruise control. Here's, Here's my real factual take. I think Jason is more entertaining than Travis. And I love Travis, one of my boys. But I think Jason is more entertaining. And I also have a take that if Jason, when he retires, if he's one of those old linemen that loses like 70, 80 pounds, he would probably be more, he'd be better looking than, than Travis. Travis gets oh. a lot of love because, they, you know, the girls think he's he's one of the, the most good looking dudes. I have a take that I think Jason is actually probably going to be the better looking one if he loses a lot of weight.
2: Hey, hey, I, I'm gonna tell you that beard was doing a lot of heavy lifting for Travis Kelce because he shaved that shit <laughs> off. <laughs> and they like, turned on him
1: <laughs> immediately, didn't they? Yeah. All right. Well, when we come back. We are gonna talk about another documentary in the making, and our guy Michael Orr, who has been blindsided. Welcome back to Journeyman. We got my man, Juju Gotti, joining me and Dragonfly Jones today on Journeyman. Juju, what's up, man?
0: Man, we in the streets of Miami, Florida right now. You feel me? <laughs> salute to Dragonfly Jones, bro. I'm a big fan my of yours, man. Right hey, up, bro, you had funny as hell on the line. We can talk about that later. I appreciate now, you, to bro. you know, brother. All right. Look, yes, man,
1: sir. so much love on the Journeyman podcast, but we had you on last week, Juju, and we appreciate you, but this week, it's like... This is the real thing, because you got a real-life yeah. insight to this next topic.
0: Look, look I see, because you got them diamonds on. I know it's the real deal. I can't <laughs> even see scrapes since I walked in this mother trucker. But hey, here we are.
1: Hey, Dragonfly, look, you want some? You want love, bro? If you want to feel like you're on top of the world, you got to get Juju around you. The most positive <laughs> energy, man. energy that you'll good ever, juju ever from be around. Juju, feel Great Juju, that's where it comes from. Me? But I, look, so Michael Orr is suing the Tui family. And if you don't know, the Tui family, who are the subjects of the Oscar-winning film Blind side.
0: You feel me? Big uh, capital O on that Oscar.
1: Capital O on that Oscar, right? So that, so it comes out, Michael Orr is is suing uh, the family because in, in his own words, they tricked him into signing adoption papers and they took over basically his business at that time, at a, at a time where he's like not really knowing what's going on. Yeah. He, they essentially usher him to the uni, uh, Ole Miss to go play at Ole Miss and then they go make millions of dollars. Off of what a lot of people will say is one of, if not the best, football sports movie. Not my opinion. Uh, In the Blind Side, starring Sandra Bullock. He should sue Sandra Bullock as well. Oh, um,
0: damn.
1: Just kidding. I love Sandra. She Sandra <laughs> Sandra for the people. Uh, but, <laughs> Juju, the reason why you're an expert here is because you were an extra in the movie Blindside, you
0: feel me? No We've been screeching right down to Georgia. Still we got Thomasville projects. We was outside. You what
1: did? was your role? Tell, t- tell, tell Tyler what your role was in Blindside.
0: I was screeching word number three. You <laughs> did. You feel me? Very fresh on, on set. You did. So when
1: Sandra comes to the hood, yeah, you are front and center as you know one of the hood.
0: You're right. They the hood said, homies back they in say, They said, act like she actually walking up on you in the hood. At that time, he didn't know if it was rated R or rated PG-13. Uh-huh. They said, say whatever. Just act like this mm, is coming up. He was one of them kind of uh white guys. Salute to my Caucasian brothers. We see y'all. <laughs> you feel me? The Mountains. <laughs> but he was like, yeah, say whatever to her. So I'm giving her everything. I'm like, mm. <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean, full, yeah. Yo, that's wild. They told you... To say whatever to Sandra Bullock, and you was just like, cool. She auntie from now yeah, on. ain't actually, even, actually
0: my auntie. You, mean, you feel me? We, you we, ain't we, even we question blood. it.
1: Like, I want to know where this is going to be, how it's going to come out.
0: The trajectory of my life at that point, uh-huh. it was our... Uh, uh, Coat 45, and Black and Miles, you feel me, so wherever that took me- Oh, you was, was ready there. for the moment with that. You hey, feel man. me, Dragonfly? You, got, yeah.
1: you just got paid to just, just curse out a white lady, hey, basically. That
0: shit was fine. The American dream. Yeah,
1: you <laughs> might. they might put you in some some history books at some point.
0: <laughs> but but as you say that, though, Michael Orr was there. Was you he? You feel me, on, on really? set. Yeah, we mm. was in the hood. Michael Orr walked up, because it was a big rumbling about, oh, damn, that's him right there, you uh-huh. feel me, so- it's, to me, it's kind of, oh, dang, it's, it's shocking to hear that he wasn't a fan of the movie and in part of, and in part also the the people right. involved, because if you wasn't a fan of none of that, back then, what you doing walking up on set, getting love in the hood for? Yeah. Getting kissing babies shaking hands, getting mm-hmm. high fives and shit. So, hey, if it wasn't cool then, what's going on, big bro? Let I us am, know.
1: I am interested, because it sounds like... Maybe he didn't know what like the final product was gonna was gonna right. look like. Tyler, right. what was your what what was your reaction when you saw the news?
2: Um, I wasn't particularly blindsided, but oh, no, there it is. Hello, got <laughs> hit it with the dad one time, but But um, I will say this: I I always felt like it was a lot of cat in it because so it much felt like cat. a movie, you know, that was kind of put together by white people who really do not deal with black people in in any meaningful capacity. Um. But you know, I thought it was Cap, and and a lot of the shit like like when Homie said he never had his own bed before, oh, uh, and yeah. she just found him walking the down one. the streets on Thanksgiving, and all you know, all that type of <laughs> that was the hallmark movie shit. But I did not think that that they were you know exploiting a Homie extorting him or, or, or what have you. I did not think that they was you know cashing out and, and robbing that man for millions. I did not see that part.
1: You know, I I I knew it was fishy. Well, I never liked the movie. I'll be honest with you. Damn, I thought. I, I mean, I think you're I think I think your role, Juju.
0: Bro, I gave was it all snub. I had type shit. I you feel like me? you
1: should have won an Oscar. Absolutely. that was For yeah, two yeah, seconds Justice of acting, I don't know if I've ever seen you, somebody put a performance together like that. Thank but you, if bro. I'm being honest, I hated that movie. Mm. For the same reasons you just said, Tyler. And what's funny is my brother, who also played in the NFL for nine years, he went to go see it with his kids. Mm. His five kids. And the part where they said, I've never had one of these before. Yeah. What, you never had a room? A bed. Oh, he Come on, he stood up. And hobby. he made his kids stand up. His son actually went to go play football at Penn State. Yeah, But they, they, they all stood up and they walked out of the theater. Oh. He took his kids out of the theater and they never finished the movie. That, they ain't
2: seen my dog Juju's part enough.
1: They ain't right? even, even get the ain't Juju's to part. They hit my
0: heart when he said,
1: what? <laughs> oh, man. I said, oh, <laughs> oh no. Yeah, bro. So I, I wasn't surprised. But what raised some red flags to me when I when I would play against Michael Orr, and this is like around the time he was obviously with the Ravens, So after the game, Mm -hmm. I remember like we were shaking hands and I was like, yo, congrats on the movie. And I hadn't seen it at that point. And he wasn't like, yo, I appreciate it. That's what's up. It was, he didn't want to talk about it. So he was very, you could tell even then he wasn't happy around the portrayal of him, which to be honest, he's just big, dumb, poor, can't hardly speak, don't know nothing. I mean, Sandra not only got cussed out by you and Hood, she also taught him how to play left tackle, which is crazy. Right. So I, I'm not I'm not surprised by it. it is it is a disheartening like story because I always say there's a thin line between empowerment and exploitation. And I never understand people who want to insert themselves into the spaces that other people occupy and are experts at and make themselves the center or take the credit, which happens in sports all the time. It happens with agents. It happens with coaches. Right. I had a coach in college um, after I made it to the league, you know, and he he wasn't he he wasn't he wasn't a great. Coach wasn't a bad dude, but just not a great, not a great coach. And he 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 told me he said, you know, I've, I've always tried to be a father figure to you. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I got a dad, right. bro. Get get <laughs> like, what is your obsession with trying to make yourself a part of a story that you're not in? That right. that's what's crazy to me about the the Michael Orr situation.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna tell you another part in that movie that was just pure USDA grade A certified cat was. <laughs> When he took, when he took, you know, he, the, 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 the state test to become, you know, uh, academically eligible to, to get a D1 scholarship or whatever. Uh-huh. And they said, you know, he scored low. On the academic part, but he scored very high with protective instincts. What the fuck type of test has protective <laughs> instincts, dog? I done took all types of tests, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? I done went to college. I was an AP kid in high school. I done took all types of standardized state tests. I ain't never seen no protective index
0: on none of the results I ever got back, dog. The only question on that guy is: protective will you put your index. arm in front of the passenger seat if the uh, airbag about to go out?
1: They took that yeah. man through a combine and said, oh, he, he's, he can't read, but he's a great left tackle.
0: Right,
2: right. Yeah, they did my boy or dirty. Like, she had to explain to him to that being left tackle was like protecting his little brother. Like, bro, he knows how football works. Like, you don't need to, you know, try to go that Right? It was insulting as fuck, bro. Like, like I said, I really ain't fucked with it with the movie as a, as a premise at first. But now that I know that they robbing my boy and lying on him, now nah, we need justice for
0: Big Mike, dog. Justice bro, for
2: Big Mike. I man. think
0: you should do that, Dragonfly, because you are an expert in this field. I think you should break down the movie The Blind Side 30 minutes at a time. And put yes. out episodes of what the hell is going on actually. You feel me? Yeah, <laughs> actually. I, I,
2: might have to, I might have to watch it, you know, with, with, with my cat goggles on, you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: just just a, a quick rewatch. That right. that is that is wild. Not only the protective instincts, the other scene in there is when uh he's like getting uh interrogated by the NCAA. Right. And if you go back and watch that scene, which has been circulating on social media, she got the whole thing right. right. And it's she, funny, she I was like, yo, you you really did this movie. Right. Totaling yourself on a slick and tried to turn it around and make yourself the hero right. in it. That's that's some that's some diabolical shit right there.
0: Right. You try to be heartwarming with your uh thievery. That's <laughs> your, messed up. Bro. That's
1: crazy. She's in there like, so I it w- it's gonna set a precedent that boosters can just move in and adopt any prospect to try to get them to go to a school. And he's like, No, it's not like that. And I'm like, that looking back, it was exactly like that. Exactly like I that. I actually feel bad for Michael. I really, I really and honestly and truly do, because it's messed up.
0: Yeah, yeah. I made my money out the blind side, and he did apparently. So, how much money <laughs> do you make out the blind side? Hey man, oh, oh I don't know what's going on there. Salute to Dragonfly Jones. I don't know what
1: happened. <laughs> <laughs> Juju told me in the break he' going to join a class action suit with Michael Or he th- he felt like he didn't get paid any residuals either.
0: You feel me? Yeah, we t- hey, we be struggling. Out. They be hey every Thanksgiving I be seeing them. You feel me? All you the damn, the blind side. Damn,
1: yeah, you ain't get nothing. Who getting that money? So nice. Slow the
0: sack after. You, <laughs> mean? you feel me? We outside.
1: <laughs> that black and mild that was in your ear in the scene. Was that yours or they, they? gave that to you.
0: Look, they gave me that cherry guy. It was a cherry black and mild. At, at that time in my life, uh, the reggae the regular was the uh-huh. preference. You feel me? I prefer <laughs> the reggae black and mild and the uh, Coke 45. But at the same time, they had high life and they had old duels. They put some uh, non-alcoholic O'Doals for me under the drink, You feel me? and the cherry black.
1: <laughs> you the in the oh, hood? Totally, what, right? what hood was this?
0: That's what I'm saying. It was Tomerville Projects. It was the hood that Young LA saluted back in the day, young. Huh? You might it might be before your time, but Young LA that was his projects, and it was all out there. It was a big deal. Salute to Auntie Sandy, man. I got your back, forever sis.
1: Oh, oh my <laughs> gosh, Tyler. When you when you're when you're seeing this news now, obviously we all knew. I don't want to say we all knew. But I think it does undo, like, on this show, and especially Juju, Juju has obviously an affinity for Blindside. That's natural. You're in the movie. I get it, Juju. But I feel like most people regard this, I'm not even kidding, as one of the best sports movies. I roll my eyes every time, and I don't know if anybody else is like that, and yeah, hindsight is 20 But, like, when you when you think about Blindside prior to this news coming out, did you look at it favorably? Like,
2: um, I knew it was bullshit, but I knew uh, the masses loved it. You know what I'm saying? Like my mama, for instance, she loved it. Like my mama does never watch football. And I remember when the Ravens won the Super Bowl, she texted me the next day. Yay, blindside. She ain't even called it <laughs> new no, by its name. Nah, my dude. <laughs> she called bro blindside. You feel me? Uh, so yeah, it, it's for sure, you know, one of those feel good movies that don't feel good anymore to the people who it might've felt good to.
1: Oh man, we should already be making this doc, man. I, I, I hope this this spawns like... Bishop Sycamore, like three versions of <laughs> of a scam doc. You know what I'm saying? Cause it, it it absolutely deserves it. I comp um the blind side as like the Macklemore of sports movies. You know what uh, I'm saying? What I'm Macklemore's understand. album prevented Kendrick Lamar from winning. Best best hip hop album.
0: Right. And how do you feel about that uh, the, uh Academy? Like looking back on that. Looking
1: back on that. Listen
0: to the damn pawn shot one time right now, and listen to <laughs> the, shop. What? Shop. It pawn shop. <laughs> Whatever the hell he was talking about. That's the listen hood to that right now today, Academy. Come on, get over yourselves. So like, it was garbage back
2: then, and it's super garbage now. It just, it's it's right. warm, heated over uh, garbage. Uh, Come on, man. With aging, a fur
0: coat.
1: aging like milk. Like milk. <laughs> All right, let's let's take a break. Let's talk a little football and basketball news when we get back. All right, let's talk a little NFL news. There was a story that came out this week about Kyle Shanahan talking about the end of last season when all his quarterbacks went down. Jimmy G went down, Brock Purdy went down, Trey Lance. And he was like, if they had made it through that last game against the Philadelphia Eagles, he had lined up Phillip Rivers to come back and start in the Super Bowl for the San Francisco 49ers. And I'm looking at the rundown, and Jeff has asked, like, do you think this is something he would have really, really done? And would it have been the craziest sports story of all time? I'm going to start with you. What do you think?
0: Bro, it's the cappest of our capped sentences It's capped. Nah, heard they capped the Somebody go to his phone. Do you have Philip Rivers' number in your phone? <laughs> bro, yeah, this is the cappest sentence ever, bro. Nah, that wasn't lined up. You had your heart set on Brock Purdy. Then it tragically threw the arm out of whatever happened. You did not know Philip Rivers. He don't know you. So <laughs> it's capped out. Salute to you, but you capped out, big bro.
1: Juju said he capped out. Tyler, what you think, man?
2: I would, I wouldn't doubt it. Like you know, like we discussed, you know, earlier, Hawk, about how Kyle Shanahan's a, a quarterback, which we're like, this would have been the the ultimate heat check for him. I think that he probably believes wholeheartedly he could have won with you know fifty three year old Philip Rivers who hasn't played in twenty years, hopping out there and, and going <laughs> under center.
1: I, I'm with you. I'm with, I'm with Tyler. You 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 wrong on this one. It's ah. not Cap, bro. This is the kind of stuff that Kyle Shanahan like thrives on, yo. Really? He wants to put himself in situations where and it's, he's a competitor and he likes to like he yeah. put the pressure on himself for everybody to look and be like damn I can't believe that you went out there and won under those circumstances.
0: Bro, y'all the experts so if y'all telling me that I got to <laughs> believe it. <laughs> but I just, when I heard it, I was like, boy, he the most capped out person on that you side of the Mississippi River. I don't think he capped
2: out. I think he's just a wild boy. I think he just wholeheartedly wow. believes he could have yeah. won the Super Bowl with right. that
1: man. And he he is wrong. And I am Kyle Shanahan's, I'm a, I'm a believer. I played for him. He is my best coach that I've ever had. Best offensive coordinator, hands down, not even close. Yeah. But there is no way in hell they were going to win that Super Bowl <laughs> against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Not right. because Phillip Rivers doesn't have the ability or because it's anything in his coaching, Philip Rivers has 10 kids, bro. There is Talk no, about it. You can't be a good father to 10 kids and be great at anything else. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, as men, it is my... When I see people who are in super good shape yeah. and are at the top of their craft in their job, I'm like you're like a halfway good dad because there's not enough time to be... There's not enough time to be great at all three things. <laughs> Something has to suffer. And he man. got 10 of them.
0: He got
2: 10 of <laughs> Bro, I know if you got like 10 kids, there got to be some who you just really don't like. <laughs> like right? you just really don't don't like don't care about don't I know you to gotta them. have your favorites bro if you got 10 of them bro like you think you, about that bro you right because you can't budget out your your per your, your parenting equally <laughs> to ten like some gonna have to stick out some gonna have to develop themselves <laughs> out of contention. you know what I'm saying? some <laughs> like some gonna have to show some personality or something some of them are raising themselves.
1: Bruh. There's yes. <laughs> a couple of his kids. If you have 10 children, a couple of your kids are raising yourself. So, yeah. Philip Rivers, they always debate whether he's a, a, a Hall of Fame quarterback or not because he doesn't have a Super Bowl. There is no way in hell he could have won a Super Bowl. You have too many kids to win a Super Bowl. There is no way.
0: Bro, imagine how many times he watched Moana or some shit. Bro, <laughs> he done seen that bit. Threw him back. There time. is no
1: way. And I think he's a good dad. That's why he keeps having kids. And like I said, there is no way you could be a good father to 10 people. <laughs> Think about having 10 friends that you got to talk to every day.
0: Right. Well, Impossible.
1: If you had 10 friends, no kids, and that's all you had to Ooh. do was talk to 10 friends every day, just talk to them. How would you find a time, let, know, let alone having to raise them,
0: right.
1: teach them like how to ride bikes, Right. teach them how to drive, teach them... You know, like, there's just too much, bro. It's impossible. I, I don't actually do understand that
0: about how, how guys talk to like four or five women at a time. How, right? bro? How are you listening to how, how a day was four times? Like, bro, like, come on. Like, there's no in, way. The tax and shit. Bro, how, I got one redeem for, for me. You feel know, me? How was your day? And bam, it's over.
1: If you're in super shape and you got five <laughs> women, you are shitty at whatever job you do for a living.
0: <laughs> and I, that
1: is just, there's there's no way because there's, there's too many, there's, there's not enough hours in the day. Right. Speaking about being shitty at your job, uh, Saints kicker, uh, and that's a bad segue because he wasn't (laughs) shitty, but the shitty part is that he kicked the game-winning field goal and he kept being mistaken as a fan because he looks like he's 12. And so he was stopped coming into the stadium um, and asked for his credential. And even afterwards, he was going out of the player's exit and he was still stopped and almost kicked out, which I identify with, man, because I'm (laughs) 5'7". And I can't tell you how many conversations... That I had to have in my NFL playing career to prove that I was actually on the team. Yeah, And so I, I, I feel for him. But is that not the most relatable thing that you could ever hear about an a NFL football player?
0: Bro, that's messed up, bro. I, if I was him, I'd been, I got tough about four five security guards. Like, I'd a tough, Hey, bro, remember me. Remember this face. This is half face you're going to see. You fired tomorrow. Watch. Oh, I man. You finna, I'm not going to be winning football games for the Kansas City Chiefs organization. And not being allowed to go places in here. I'm so sorry, You're not uh, doing Mr. It. Whoever owned this book. Uh, what's his name, Mr. Hunt? Whoever. <laughs> I'm gonna need you to got. I'm gonna clean clean this up bit bro. Before I do it, because <laughs> I know how. Clean them up. I,
1: I think kicker is like the. I it's a, it's a, it's a bad position to play. If yeah. you want start get no respect, dog. No respect.
2: No, no respect. respect. It's Like, like I, re- I remember when the, when the Urban Meyer bombshell dropped with how shitty he was at Jacksonville, and they were talking about how he would just run up on the kicker and just kick the shit out of him. <laughs> like, <laughs> the kicker's the one dude all the, all the, the whole football team, that whole 53-man roster that Urban Meyer put hands and feet on, He's like, you
1: know, oh I'm just going to kick you for no other reason except for the <laughs> right. fact that you're a kicker. Kickers get no respect, right. so much so that Justin Tucker, Justin Tucker is as good at his job as Patrick Mahomes is Yes, at his like yeah. as generational talent, and there was video of him hitting like a eighty yard field goal in pregame. He goes in the game, pre preseason game, hits a sixty yarder, and nobody cares. <laughs> generational right. talent that nobody gives a damn about,
0: <laughs> right? Right, like like, pitchers. Right.
2: You know, I'm I'm with you because you know, like there's really no consensus on like the NFL goat, right? Because people say Brady, Rice, Jim Brown, Barry Sanders. Some even say Lawrence Taylor, because. You know, it's so many moving parts in football, so it's like an inexact science to compare players across positions. But mm-hmm. I've always been you with you on my stance that, you know, Justin Tucker is better at his job than... Any other NFL player is better at their job. Yeah. you know what I'm saying. Like, like, like the gap between Justin Tucker and whoever you have at number two is bigger than whatever gap you put up, up, up. You know, a, a, a top guy in the NFL and their number, their runner up. So
0: yeah, I'm with you on that.
1: He's a goat. He's he's literally like yeah. the most talented, and the stats back it up. His performance backs it up.
0: And he's saying opera. You feel me? But,
1: he's multi talented. <laughs> but being the best kicker is you know like me. I'm the I'm the best five seven NFL football player ever. ever. Receiver. I Damn can't even it. say that because Maurice Jones, Jew is way better than me. So I got to say the best five, seven receiver <laughs> in NFL history. Nobody cares. I care. You care, Drew, but you're the only care. person. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Justin Tucker is the same way. He's the best <laughs> kicker and ultimately no one will care. He'll be a hall of famer, but he doesn't get nearly the fanfare that he should. Right. Speaking of not getting fanfare or actually getting too much fanfare, this is going to be a bad take because it's going to sound like a hypocritical take are you guys familiar with Deuce Vaughn?
0: For sure. Yes.
1: Deuce Vaughn is a 5'5 running back who was drafted by the Cowboys. His father actually worked for the organization, so it was a very feel-good moment. So Deuce Vaughn, is he's like that. he He's hitting the spins. He does look like a baby out there yeah. playing in the NFL. And again, I can identify with that. <laughs> but I'm even taller than Deuce Vaughn. But Deuce is a running back, yeah. which makes it look even crazier because every highlight, he's right next to offensive linemen, which makes him look... Even, even, even smaller. But his his clips keep going viral. Man. Him like spin moving, making people miss, hitting people with the shakes. And I'm curious if like Deuce Vaughn is really like that. He's a good, solid player, and I think he actually will make the team and be be great. But I don't know if like people are acting like he he is the f- the first of his kind. And I'm not referencing myself by any stretch because yeah. I I would never put myself <laughs> in that because it would be disrespectful to people like Darren Sproles. For me, who was like. Darren Sproles is like one of the best all-around football players ever. He was 5'6". So I'm just curious if you guys are like, yo, we really feel like Deuce Vaughn is going to be like that or do you think the hype train is just there because he plays for the Dallas Cowboys?
0: I think he's going to be like that. Like, no offense. All the shorter brothers I know, Mm -hmm. they could play basketball, they could play football, they can run track, they'll beat your ass. Like, (laughs) it's nothing about Deuce that don't say that he's not going to actually do it. And that's what's wrong with the... The, uh, the, the running back's argument right now as far as getting paid, uh-huh. every year you think you the man, like Tony Pollard, <clears throat> like you wouldn't, can't tell me that you not going to be the man next year when Zeke gone. But now here we are, and it's already people who, who are catching the public's eye, you feel me? So, and you got that injury. I think Deuce is going to, I think he going to do it. You going to do me? it. I think he going to go all the way. I think he going to win the Super Bowl before he done. I think he going to go down as a Hall of Fame player. You hear it here first.
1: Hall of fame. Oh, that's Jeez, that's Hall of a wild fame. take. That's a yeah, wild a take, dude. Yeah, you What you got, first. Tyler?
2: Um, I think he's going to be good, too. Of course, you know, he can't. He's not durable enough to be in every down back. But, you know, I think that, you know, you can put him in some situations where he'll thrive. Like Darren Sproles has been the, the closest comparison to him. You know, both about the same size, both went to Kansas State. Um, I will say that something that that. Gives me reason to believe that he's gonna be okay is he's really good at taking contact right like that's what hopped out to me he doesn't look like he's getting murdered when he gets tackled you know yes, what I'm saying bro. and that's a very important skill to kind of know how to take contact for a guy that size.
1: Nah, man, I I, I think I don't think he'll be a Hall of Fame player. It's not me hating. This is the expertise. I know. Here.
0: It like I've been Lewis. out there. It's I've taken like those hits. Quack like a duck. <laughs> <laughs>
1: What I'm saying is, I think you made a good point, Tyler. The way he falls, the way he gets hit, yeah, because he gets hit too much. Like I could, I could prevent being hit because I'm, I played a slot. Yeah. And Darren Sproles, he actually was really good at that. And I would say I, I would encourage you to go watch the way Darren Sproles would take hits versus okay. Deuce, and Deuce is still learning, so we'll give him a lot a chance to do that. But I don't know. I just feel like it's disrespectful to the Maurice Jones-Drews of the world All and right. the Darren Sproles who have honestly, I mean, these are guys that have. 10, 15,000 yards yeah. in their career, and we're acting like we've never seen this before when we have. Right, that's right. that's all I'm saying.
0: Jim. Well, and I take my my protocols from you, and I respect you, so hey, Big Bro told me it's, it's a different way, I gotta believe it.
1: I feel like it's a hype train. You feel like Dak Prescott is a hype, while we talking about the Cowboys, I feel like people are harder on Dak because yeah. he plays for the Cowboys.
0: Yeah, you're right. He's America's quarterback. Hey, you America's quarterback, go, go to USA, goddamn. like Let's do it. Let's see it. <laughs> so we can't be too hard on him. Like, hey, y'all, and them boys I don't win nothing. Like, So, nothing. salute to Dakota. What What is your take
1: on, on A-Rod, Tyler?
2: Um, You know, I think he doesn't get the criticism that Dak does, but I think that You know, the the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. I think that's perhaps the single most scrutinized position in all of American sports. Right. Like, you know, people give the Cowboys fans for, you know, shit for saying that they're America's team. But for one, they do have the biggest following of any NFL team. And, you know, they're they're a washed up franchise who's like, you Mm. know, sadly empathetically clinging to the glory days of the past and hoping one day they, they pull it all together. That's American as hell, bro. Like, y'all are American, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Like, y'all are a bunch of losers, but then have played a set to South Worth, bro. You're uh, nothing more American than that.
1: Man. Dang, man, you just completely described my pulled hamstring situation that we talked about to open the show <laughs> perfectly to end this thing. Just real quick, Jew. I went out there and run some routes man. with my son. I ran one route. He told me my, my brakes look a little slow, so I tried to really turn it up on him. Uh, and I pulled my damn hamstring, and I've been lipping around ever since.
0: Oh, my God. No, that's terrible. I'm so sorry for that, brother. Like, yeah. it's a pain that I feel for you.
1: <sighs> so you, much. You got to know when to let you can't.
0: have it, though, bro. You yeah. got to know
2: when to concede. To that was my time.
1: Battles. <laughs> uh, they, 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 you know what? I know it's my time. And not what? only not only with my my career and, and my athleticism, it's also my time with this episode of Journeyman.
0: But also, before you leave this episode of Journeyman, your hairline has never faltered. So oh, that's man. what I'm saying. Your beard yeah. on point, everything on... But the hamstring, hey, bro, I, I see, you feel you me? You know what? But that hairline, more important than that hamstring at this age.
1: There is more work put into my hairline and beard than Eric Burkhart put into uh, coercing America to think Johnny Manziel <laughs> was going to be a perennial pro bowler. <laughs> so we'll leave it at that. That does it for this episode of Journeyman. Shout out to the people at the DraftKings Network and Metal Arc Media. Shout out to my guy Tyler Perrier, a.k.a. Dragonfly Jones, and Juju Gotti, the shoddy from Atlanta and star of blindside that's it for this week's journeyman make sure you journey back next week same time same place and until then money trees is the perfect place for shade that's just how i feel